This episode of Four Finger Discount is brought to you by Big Roddy's Rip and Rib Shack, Brisbane's home of delicious barbecue. Roddy's Rib Shack is one of Brisbane's favourite barbecue places. They serve up delicious food, not only ribs, but they do great burgers. They do veggie burgers, so they cater for all sorts. And you'll save 10% off your food and drinks bill with the code, it's a secret. Roddy's Ribs is also available for group bookings and functions. Head to bigroddysribs.com to find out more. What in the world, according to Garp? Those are my dress towels. Who's in my private washroom? McGucket, let me in. The door already is closed. What? This is Colonel Leslie Hap, Hap Hapablap. If you don't open that door, I'll tear you up like a Kleenex at a snot party. You say you're in the military? Sweet Anola Gaze, son. I'm going to come in there and corpse you up. Corpse you up and mail you to mama. Well, where'd he go? (sighs) Got my knuckles all lined up for nothing. Sorry, ladies. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we're here to review episode 3F08, season 7, episode 9, Sideshow Bob's Last Gleaming. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Have you? Is that new? Doing like the proper episode code title? Is that something that you've just brought in? It's not like doing the audio commentaries. I thought I'd shake it up. Well, it's confused me. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. This wasn't in the. This wasn't on the run sheet. The listeners go. This isn't the show I, not, I love. No, I'm not listening. I refuse. Unsubscribe. Yeah, exactly. This is different. What you've come back all highfalutin. So long time no talk. I've been away in New Zealand enjoying myself. I notice uh, your wife's been away, so it seems you've had a few days to yourself as well. What have you been up to? Um, well, not much. We I, I played cricket over the weekend while my wife was down in Tasmania. We lost a semi-final, so I'll thank you not to talk about it. Oh, that's no good. What was to be my glorious, you know, turn 30, win a, win a premiership and then maybe retire and start focusing on other things did not eventuate. <laughs> was it your fault? Did you do a hammy again? Uh, <laughs> no, um, it was kind of a, a combination of a lot of different people's faults. <laughs> but we're all shit. No, it it was one of those days where just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But everyone everyone gave good effort, so you know there wasn't a lot to be said at the end of the game. To be honest, that we were just outplayed. So to, to make a local reference, basically you were Geelong in the two thousand and eight grand final. Yeah, I suppose probably without the raging favoritism heading into the game. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, true. Did you say this was the grand final? No, this was the semi-final, unfortunately. But ah, we, the semi-final. Our, our, our club, East Belmont, does have two sides going into the grand final this weekend, so we wish them all the best. Oh, well, I did see that you got a drone for your birthday, though, and you've been taking some good photos. Do you want to oh, plug on the, on the show your new photo business you got going? I've been having so much fun with this drone. Um, it's really, really cool. But yeah, so it, it's... Um, well, it wasn't so much the drone that prompted me to do this. It was more that I did an engagement shoot for some friends and they said that if they liked those photos, they'd get me for the wedding and they did. And then it turned out that when they shared them, a bunch of other people liked those photos and said, will you do our wedding, please? So then I kind of thought, well, if a couple people think I'm good enough to do wedding photos, maybe I should get myself out there and see if lots of people think that I'm good enough to do wedding photos. So starting a little side gig, it's called Photo Lab Geelong. And uh, so far, so good. Got a bunch of bookings. I'm heading down to a business in Port Arlington through the week uh, to sort of take some uh, like warehouse kind of photos for their new website that they're starting up. So a um, couple things that I never would have, like, you know, I was original target market was obviously weddings, parties, family stuff. And then a few things have come at me from left field, which is really cool. I'm taking um, 
uh, doing some stuff about cabri- uh, cabinetry and like joinery and stuff like that later in the month as well. Just make sure you don't forget about little people like us. You're on four finger discount. Oh, uh, never, never in a million years would I forget. Um, I mean, you've got photo equipment that I want to borrow from time to time, so I'll be sure to keep <laughs> you keep you close. Well, I've got a bit of a story that I'm going to uh, leave for the end of the show about my my dreaded flight mm. because I mentioned this in the the Four Finger Discount exclusive Patreon group that it was the worst flight back from New Zealand that I've, like, I've ever been on. It was just, man, so much shit went down. It was ridiculous. You posted a harrowing selfie. Like you looked like you looked like <laughs> Charlie Sheen at the end of Platoon. You like I've I, I, been <laughs> through some stuff. I, I man, I had been through some stuff. Let's just say. At some point during the plane, there was water around my feet. Oh, dear. Yes, I'm not even joking. That's not an exaggeration. Was it oceanic water? It was probably, I would say, not. let's just say that the guy across the aisle from me was an inch inch deep in water. Did somebody try to take home a piece of the French Joseph Glacier? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to save it for the end of the show, but it was a harrowing, harrowing event. (laughs) Well, I can't wait. I've been looking forward to that. Um, like for people that are listening, we legitimately have not spoken aside from the occasional text message since Dando returned to the country. We we have barely spoken throughout the week. I tried. I gave you the week off. I just said I'm not going to contact Mitch. I'm just going to leave him be. Yeah. Well, the fact that you're in another country as well, I was sort of in the same boat. I was like, I'll let you enjoy your holiday. Um, we you were north and south island, or just north? No, you must be. Uh, we south, went to uh, Hobbit, well, we, we, we went to we went Auckland, uh, Lake Rotorua. Wellington and Church Christchurch. So I'm not sure if that's North and South Island. I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but, but it, I was it, there. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure you've described places that are in both sections of New Zealand. Okay, um, good. Rotorua is certainly north. Uh, anyway, um, sideshow Bob's last gleaming. Dando, this for me. Oh, actually, sorry. uh, You've got just before we get onto that. I'm going when we get to the end of the episode. I'll tell a story as well about how I managed to scam some free food out of an alternate drop sort of you know one dinner. You get the chicken, you get the beef style dinner. Um, Anyway, this uh, this episode for me has always been like a really kind of forgotten sideshow Bob episode that I've never remembered a great deal about it other than the basic plot and. That meant that I was really looking forward forward to watching it and going through it again, but I got to the end of it and I kind of went, well, I guess that's kind of why I've never remembered it. It's just okay for me. Well, to, to, to me, while, while it's got its funny moments, particularly the last act is the funniest part of the episode for me, I just think it's by far the weakest Bob episode of the first 10 seasons. And I read yeah. that it was written by a, um, a, Freelance. a guy called... Yeah, freelance a guy called Spike Ferriston, but the whole script basically had to be rewritten because it just the characters weren't speaking the way they should, and it's yeah. sort of the, the the final product comes across like that. It just feels to me like it doesn't really tell a great story. It's just more a sense of bunch of gags. It's like they've thought, and which is pretty much what they did. They thought we have to have a Bob episode. What can we do? All right, he wants to blow up Springfield, and let's just throw in a few gags just to fill it out. You know? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like the the plot really is non-existent. For, for pretty much the entirety of the episode. It's just what what it is in the opening minute setup takes 22 minutes to be revealed, based, uh, to, sorry, to be resolved. Um, and not, there's, there's no progression in between outside of, you know, there's funny moments. Like, it's, it's not like this is a horrible episode by any stretch, but it's just after the lofty heights of Cape Fear and everything that's come before it, whenever Bob is on screen, it just doesn't quite pass muster. 
And it's one of the few times where I may not agree with Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein in the sense that they said, we have to have a Bob episode every season. If you can't think of a good story, just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I can understand we want to have a Bob episode every season, but same deal, you don't crowbar it in for the sake of it. You've got to make sure it's still compelling. And did you think that his motive of wanting... Well, he essentially was going to kill himself and blow up Springfield purely because he hated Krusty. I feel it was just a bit exaggerated. Well, it doesn't quite feel very Bob. Sideshow Bob is far too vain a man to go out in a blaze of glory. Like, he's never going to want to kill himself. No, exactly. Um, Yeah, he wants to be getting the best of people from afar and still being able to enjoy it. So, yeah, it's a little out of character for me. Yeah. So, what was your new name for the episode? Uh, Dr. Strange Bob. Oh, I like it. I had D-Bomb, D. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good as well. <laughs> what was your um, what was your favourite moment from the episode? Um, well, it's still going to... For as much as we just spoke about how this is one of the weaker Bob episodes, it still has some brilliant moments of delivery from Kelsey Grammer. Yep. And I think for mine, the pick of them all is when he's impersonating um, Hal Haberlap or whatever his name is. Kel Haberlap or whatever it is. Yeah. Reading from the script, but so unable to say the word snot party without at least turning <laughs> his nose up in it just reviling the fact that he had to say it. It's such a, a Bob, but also such a Kelsey line, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's one of those moments where Kelsey, the actor, transcends Bob, the character, and they both sort of combine into this beautiful amalgamation of the two. I also think Ali Ermi was fantastic in the role. Apparently, he was very hard to write for. Is that right? Yeah, the original lines for him were completely rewritten by the staff because they were like, this just isn't right. But they really struggled to find funny lines for him to say that didn't seem forced. And I, I sort of feel the only line that felt forced was the one at the end where he's like, what is your major malfunction, Sideshow Bob? Yeah, yeah, because like, that's the one where they t- like just take straight from Full Metal Jacket as opposed yeah. to riffing on what sort of a character he is. Yeah. Uh, my favourite moment was Krusty's just... He's showing from the Badlands of Springfield, but where he's like, let's get busy. And the when he, whenever he, when he hears the sound outside, and I quote this all the time, whenever I hear something mechanical outside, it's, what the hell is that, a lawnmower? Yeah. <laughs> Always love that moment. <laughs> I, um, I don't think I was told you about this. I was uh, talking to a guy a little while ago who was into racing remote control cars or just getting into racing remote control cars. And he was describing, like I just asked out of, mild politeness and genuine curiosity what sort of remote control car he raced and he said something then mentioned that it had some whatever horsepower uh whippersnipper motor on it and then followed it up with yeah and followed it up with so it sounds really nice to which in my head i was like <laughs> probably sounds like a whippersnipper mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but see two enthusiasts like car enthusiasts and whatnot they love that sound yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just but to everyone else in the world, it's the most annoying sound possible at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. <laughs> exactly. It reminds me of my dad mowing the lawn and waking me up every Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, well, you should be up. You've got to get it. If I do it now and then I get the whole weekend to myself. Like, yeah, you know but what you, be- fu- <laughs> you ruined mine. <laughs> you know what would have been more fun when, when you're a kid, not driving remote control cars, I always wanted to be involved with Robot Wars. Do you remember Robot Wars? Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. The, uh, that was a British show, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The guy from Red Dwarf used to host it. Yes. I, I reckon that used to be on free-to-air TV for a brief period of time, and it was a very enjoyable show. It was like a 13, 14-year-old. 
Yeah, I was just watching kids' dreams just destroyed when their robot was just cut in half by another bigger robot. <laughs> yeah, it was always so good. <laughs> <laughs> the be- best one when it was adults versus kids, and the adults just destroyed the children and just had great glee in doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually going to be, as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to get on YouTube and look up some classic Robot Wars matches. <laughs> and the, the, the host was just so into it as well. That's what made it. He loved it. He was having the best time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't selling out. He was, no. He, he was. He probably pitched the show. He was James Sherry on Amazing. Like that level of enthusiasm, yeah. <laughs> right, so uh, trivia for this week. I'll let you kick off. What do you got for me? Uh, I've got three questions, uh, and then after the first 10 minutes or so, I lost interest in taking notes. So, um, okay. <laughs> what is the food? What, uh, what foods are in Krusty's obstacle course? Oh, I, don't, I know they're rancid, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, there were refried beans, yes. rancid beanet sauce, a parfait of pudding, pickle brine, and detergent. Wow, there's a lot. Uh, my first question, according to Bob... What things ruined the minds of viewers besides the show, the Krusty show? Ooh, um, oh, I've gone blank. I reckon I wrote it down, but I'm not going to cheat and look. That's good. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was syphilis and pinball. Oh, that's right, pinball. Yes. You know, and, and as stupid as this is that I should have, like this should have made it even easier for me to remember that answer. But as soon as he said pinball, I spent the next 20 minutes uh, not 20 minutes, 20 seconds sort of humming to myself the tune from Pinball Wizard by the no. way. <laughs> so, it just it kind of blocked things out of my brain, which is true. Pinball yeah. did ruin my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which rather famous mogul was Krusty in prison with? Uh, Rupert Murdoch? Yes, it was Rupert yes. Murdoch. The horrific Australian accent. Actually, he... Um, yeah, it was terrible. He gave permission for his character to be used. Yeah, well, I imagine he would have had to. I'm sure that Rupert... Well, well um, fo- fo- Fox Sensors said no, and then they went straight to Rupert, and he said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that Rupert is not like the evil tyrant that he's no. painted out to be. He's no, just no. a evil businessman. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure <laughs> he probably still has a sense of humour. Yeah. Uh, what date was the air show? Oh, March 19th. It was November 25th. Hmm. <laughs> Yesterday was March 19th. It was. <laughs> so it was the most recent date in my mind. Uh, how long have Duff been sponsors of the army? No idea. 50 years. Ooh, that was okay. on the uh, like the big sort of banner before Homer saw the free beer. Ah, okay. In- yep, yep. Uh, my beer question is how much were the beers? Really? $6. $6. And how much was Homer going to be charged? How many beers did he drink? Was it 42 it was, it, but it went up to 48, so he drank eight. Yeah. Uh, okay. But 42, is what it said, 42 at one point. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I knew it was sort of ringing up, so I was like, oh, it's ended in the 40s, but I don't remember which, yeah. which is specific. <laughs> uh, that's it for me. Okay, cool. Well, I've got a couple more. Uh, where do they find the alien? It was in a hangar, but what number hangar? Oh, 52. 18. Okay. That doesn't seem to have any relevance to anything. No, no. Then. <laughs> no I didn't know. How powerful was the bomb that Bob tried to use? Is it 10 megatons? That is correct. Well played. What was Thank what you. kind of plane was Millhouse in? Oh, F-18? F-15, nearly. And finally, Bob uses the bomb, but it's out of date. And when did it say used by? 1959. 1959, November. Correct. You paid far more attention than I did. To the useless yeah, shit. Well, <laughs> you're the one that actually wrote them down, so <laughs> you, it could be argued that you paid more attention to me. But so the difference is I have to write them down to remember. You didn't. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so the original air date was November 26th, 1995. Oh, so... The air show was on the day before the, air, uh, the date of the episode because it was November 25th. Yeah, okay. That's cool. I guess I'll, 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 they must have known when it was going to air and just slotted it in there. Makes sense. It, yeah, possibly. I mean, it, there's also a chance that it was just a complete coincidence, but it would be cool if they did do that intentionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the chalkboard gag, wedgies are unhealthy for children and other living things. What do you think he's giving wedgies to? What living things is he giving a wedgie, wedgie to? Um... What can you give a wedgie to? Uh, anything that has like a harness, I suppose. So like, oh, I don't know, a dog on heat. You know, sometimes you got to put a nappy on a dog. If you, if I saw a kid giving a dog a wedgie, I'd kick the shit out of him. Well, look, that's why he's writing lines on the chalkboard, Dan. <laughs> it's, it's not good behaviour. But I'm just saying it's a it's a possibility. Yeah, it's true. And the couch gag: the Simpsons are a family of sea monkeys, and they all swim to the couch. Do you remember? Oh, I think we've discussed on the show. Did you ever have sea monkeys? I think we we did, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I, I had sea monkeys for a time. Were you one to look after them or did you sort of wait, let them grow and then go, okay, goodbye and just forget about them and let them die? That about that a shelf life of about two weeks in my house. Yeah. I mean, the thing with sea monkeys is it was always easy to buy more. <laughs> <laughs> You're boring. I'm buying more. So, so the episode kicks off with Krusty revealing that everyone he's used the food donations to create the slipperiest, slidiest. Is it slidiest? I think it was slidiest. Or slimiest. Something like that. Pretty much just wasting all the food. Yeah. Just purely at the expense of Sideshow Mel. The, but the kids appreciate it. Our food is, you know, what's it, is it stinging the eyes of yeah. Sideshow Mel or something along those lines? Yeah, the kids had sent in their pickle brine. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I did notice, though, a bit of an animation error, if I would say so myself, is uh, Mel is going through all of this filthy food, but every time he goes in and out of the, of the liquids, his hair stays blue. Oh, so it's like not sticking to the hair. Well, maybe Mel just uses a like a slime retardant hairspray. Did you think of that, Dan? Oh, well, no, I didn't. Did not even think of Con- that. Consummate of me. Consummate professional that Mel is. He's probably got like some <laughs> some big Kev style um, goo remover already in his hair because he knows what a day on the set is going to be like. That's why he can't get the bone out. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> So then Bob is watching, or he's not watching, he's building the, the Abbey, isn't he, at prison. And he hears everyone laughing at, at TV and he thinks, what are, they, what are they laughing at? And by them laughing, they ruin his Westminster Abbey model. So he cracks it with them, goes in, sees that it's crusty, and that just drives him over the edge. He can't stand crusty, can he? No. Um, particularly the banal. Like, it's such a great juxta- uh, juxtaposition of Bob's personality and Krusty's personality that Bob is building a model of Westminster, Westminster Abbey, setting the clocks to Greenwich Mean Time. Like, he's, it, it's such a uh, pompous kind of hobby to be having. Yeah. <laughs> cut, cut to Krusty singing, This is the way we mop the floor, mop the floor, using Sideshow Mel as a mop. Yes. <laughs> And they remind him that he used to be on this show. So what are you talking about? You can't hang shit on it, mm. and don't you remind me because that's why you can't stand to think of Krusty because all the shit that Krusty put yep. him through. Also, coins a great phrase here for the TV: the omnidirectional sludge pump. Uh, that's that's right up there with some some of the best Bob dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> he he actually does have some fantastic dialogue. It's sort of, but sometimes it comes across like it's a bit too much. Like they had too much time in their hands to try and think of Bob lines as opposed to just being uh, natural. But I suppose that suits the Bob possi- character, doesn't it? To an extent. Yeah, it does. I don't I don't think anything that he says is necessarily out of step. 
Um, like I said, I think some of the things that he does might be out of step, but the dialogue itself is fine. It's just that they didn't quite build a strong enough skeleton around it all. We should also mention too that before they cut to Bob in the prison, they um they remind they remind. Sorry, can I before we get into whatever it was that you're about to say? I am aware that you tend not to have skeletons around things that they tend to be inside, but let's run with it. <laughs> I was just going to say that we should mention that they do the the usual reminding all the viewers about who Sideshow Bob is. But I think by doing that, they're reminding you of just how great those episodes were. And it sort of sets you up to think, well, this one's going to be good as well. And it just, it doesn't live up to that sort of standard, does it? No, not quite. Then we get the cameo from Rupert Murdoch, as we mentioned earlier. Oh, must you bray night and day at that infernal television? Oh, look who's talking. Yeah, Bob, you used to be on this show. Don't remind me. My foolish capering destroyed more young minds than syphilis and pinball combined. Oh, how I loathe that box. That omnidirectional sludge pump droning and burping. Look here, that's enough now. I own 60% of that network. All right, break it up, boys. It's time for work detail. I suppose you don't like tabloid newspapers either. Then we get to the Air Force base and everyone's cleaning up, preparing for the air show and Bob's cleaning up condoms, yeah. but the jet goes over and just ruins it all for him. That just makes him even more yeah. angry. That is a pretty funny joke that you think they're raking up leaves, like for the colours, like it's got that kind of autumn feel about it. That's true. And then, wow, that's the last condom wrapper. Yes. That is a uh, that is a pr- pretty, funny, pretty, pretty funny joke and kind of... Um, it's uh, for some reason still just seems a bit confronting to actually hear the word condom mentioned in the Simpsons. I think yeah. Has has Grandpa said the condom gag yet? Uh, don't know. I think he has. I don't remember if he but, has. But even that, it's, yeah, it's okay. not sort of in your face as this though. Yeah, you're right. Air show, buzz cut Alabamians spewing coloured smoke from their whiz jets to the strains of rock you like a hurricane. What kind of country fried rube is still impressed by that? I want to meet the first female stealth bomber pilot. During the Gulf War, she destroyed 70 mosques, and her name is Lisa, too. I want to see some birds get sucked into the engines. Rare ones. This year, I'm making earplugs out of biscuit dough. They're ready. Even Lisa's excited for it, which yeah. is kind of cool. As, as much as she has different reasons, it's all... Um, you know, feminist hero that she uh, wants to go and celebrate, but still. I think they wrote Lisa really well in this episode. She behaves like a child, which is which is what I like yeah. to see. She's not too pompous in this. Yeah, 100%. Have you ever gone to the air show, like the Geelong or Avalon air show? I have never been. I've been a few times where I've just sort of sat at my... My family has property out near there because my family used to own the property that the air shows run on, so they've got houses right near there. And we just watched the yeah, air show okay. from a distance, but I've never actually been to it. It is pretty impressive. Like, I took my little brother a little while ago, and they had one of the F-18 Hornets out there. And while it's still fine, like, anyone, when you're in Geelong, you basically get a free look at planes for a couple of weeks. But to actually be next to the runway when one of those things is taking off is, it's a sound and a feeling unlike anything that you you would ever come across. I've heard it's just, when it's taking off, it sort of blows a sound wave towards you. You can feel the sound. Pretty much, uh, even through all the Kenny Loggins that I was listening to in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> have, have, has there ever been an accident at the Geelong Air Show? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, you, it, maybe if you go back a long time, but I don't think so. Because that, that's what surely a, a percentage of the audience or the crowd going are going to try and hopefully see an accident, right? Not see oh. someone die, but see an accident of some kind. 
you're so close to it that you'd be very concerned about seeing an accident because if there's a fireball, it's going to at least singe you. Yeah, I guess so. Well, well, same, we've got the Grand Prix coming up this Sunday in Melbourne. I've never been to yeah, a, a car racing event ever in my life. It doesn't, doesn't interest me. But I've got friends that go, they, and they, when they, they say, oh, they, they, the accidents are awesome. And I'm thinking, you're watching people potentially die. Why would you want to see this? They're stuffing banana peels and tortoise shells into, <laughs> or turtle shells into their bag. Oh, man, I really wish a Grand Prix driver did that one day. Just throws a banana peel at the side. <laughs> he'd be banned from racing, but he'd be a, a YouTube star for sure. He'd be a hero for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, righty, so where are we up to in the episode? Yeah, so Lisa's supportive. Uh, Mar- 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 Marge is not supportive, Bob. is she? She's bored of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marge, like that's kind of a typical response for Marge. Um, although Marge really doesn't have a huge amount to do in this episode. Um, we then get to Sideshow Bob just... Very tired, get making his way back into bed, and then um, his bunkmate is watching a portable TV set. And what with what I noticed here is that the jokes on this in this little moment, it's basically just a modern day script for two broke girls. Yes, yes, yeah. Two broke. I, I think gives, two broke girls has been cancelled now, but my god, that's a terrible show. Yeah, and this is why because when in the mid nineties someone sat down and went, "How do I write a really bad sitcom?" They wrote the exact same jokes that in the mid 2010s, someone sat down and went, "How do I write a smash hit sitcom?" Yeah. <laughs> and but Vanessa Redgrave, I apologise, but I don't know who she is. Is this a dated gag, or am I just uneducated? Ah, uh, no, she's an act. I, I look, I didn't know her by name. I had to look her up, but she's an actress of pretty good rapport. She was um of the. Of the many things that I saw, and she's a lot through the 60s and 70s, but she was in the original Mission Impossible film. Um, I can't for the... Oh, she would have been Max. The um, Max who ends up being Maxine, the lady that kidnaps Ethan Hunt. Ah, okay. Well, that explains it. But anyway, the point is she... she Like, it's not... I, I looked her up to to wonder if what Bob was saying was ironic. Like, was she a trashy actress to begin with? And the answer to that is no. And they they end up with another payout with Fox. I feel a few times throughout this episode, more so than <laughs> many other episodes, they really mm. hit Fox hard. Yeah, just by giving the little sting of the Fox. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, how we always end our podcast. So Sideshow Bob mustn't be a fan. I'd imagine if Kelsey Grammer ever listened to this, it would have been by accident, but I would still be pretty <laughs> pleased. I don't think he would listen for long. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these mindless rubes? Yes. Bob is then cleaning the jet. Uh, then Wiggum yells at him. And then we get the... This is a classic sort of Bob gag. The, I'll get busy. Very busy indeed. And then the, the classic Kelsey Sideshow Bob laugh. And Wiggum's there. Mm. You still got it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone starts arriving to the air show, including the Simpsons family. And Wiggum notices <laughs> that Bob has gone missing. He's just run away. Hey, where is Sideshow Bob and that guy who uh, eats people and takes their faces? I'm right here, Chief. Oh, then where's Sideshow Bob? Uh, he ran off. Oh, great. Well, if anyone asks, uh, I beat him to death, okay? Right. I feel this was a bit of a wasted opportunity. So, it cut, the bus drives away and the statue is shaped like Bob's hair. Mm. I, for yep. me, feel this would have been funnier if Bob then appeared from behind the bushes. Yes, I would agree. Because, yeah, what happens is what you're expecting to happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just would have been going, ah, they got me. But anyway, so the yeah. family are then getting sort of like a, a tour around the, the event. We get the guy mm-hmm. introducing the Simpsons family to the plane. It's, it's even so, it's so easy that even a child can drive it. Can I drive it? Of course you cannot. 
as much as that's delivered with like Navy or Air Force, sorry, uh, machismo or, or machismo, depending on where you're from in the world, um, it's, it sounds like a comic book guy line. Like yes, that exact delivery could have been said with comic book guy's voice and it would be an identical line. Then we get the Homer of the Duff. I love the delivery from Dan of the Viva Life. He's just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but you would be the same. If you went to an event and you saw there was free alcohol, you'd lose your mind. Oh, yeah, of course you would. But it's, it's also a, like it's that classic, I will never get sick of this sort of um, joke. And obviously one of them is when have, like you cover up the W-O of the women's on a toilet and as someone walks in, then they move away, and then there's the reveal of women, and they come running out embarrassed. Yes, that, that to me is quality comedy every time. So <laughs> this, like the Duff thing, exactly the same deal. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a very Benny Hill kind of gag, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know, there's it's like when used in appropriate measure, it's really nice to have occasional throwbacks to that style of comedy. Yeah. I don't think The Simpsons do it very often, which is nice. Yeah. And when it does happen, like, there's just a sweet innocence to it. Um, it's a, a throwback to a simpler time. And, it, yeah, it's a, I'm always a big fan of it. And I like that Homer thinks quick on his feet. And the, ooh, <laughs> face. <laughs> and it crawls off. Then we get Milhouse in the jet. And this is this, this was my second favorite part of the whole episode. I think it's fantastic how it cuts to him crashing into the diner later on. But yeah. I've read that... After they wrote this, it gave the writers the idea for the episode A Millhouse Divided, where his parents get divorced. Oh, right. So they wrote the thing about Millhouse being so angry at his parents and then yeah. and the therapy and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So why would he be angry at his parents? Because they're always fighting. There's the episode mm. idea. Uh Bob is then sneaking around because he's just run off and he hides in the colonel's bathroom. It's a pretty fantastic plan, isn't it? It's simple yeah. but it's efi- but it's efficient. Hide in there just so we can hear him yell enough to be able to then impersonate him later. Yeah, and and Kelsey's delivery of just like a dumb voice is it's because you can tell it's still Kelsey. It's fantastic. Yeah, the door already is closed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, that kind of plot device as well of impersonating a uh, higher up is used in the first episode or first second. I think it's the first episode of Band of Brothers. Um, Done to brilliant effect as well in in that episode. It just made me throw back to that. But uh, it is one of those things that you could have a lot of fun with in the military if you were good enough at impersonating people until you got caught, in which case probably find yourself court-martialed. But still, up until that moment, (laughs) it'd be a lot of fun. (laughs) It reminded me of something you'd see on like Hogan's Heroes, you know? Yeah, Or even possibly MASH or something. We actually had the, the, the supervisors at work when I used to work at Ford, they had their own toilet and we weren't allowed to use it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was legit. It was right next to ours and they had their own sort of sink and that it was everything was nice and clean. Theirs always got cleaned three times a day and ours got cleaned once. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway, what were you going to um, say? Uh, I, I, I'm just horrified at the idea of what an entire bunch of factory workers go into the toilet. Well, like, what sort of mess that leaves? Um, <laughs> this was one of, for me, like one of the better lines that they gave uh, Ali Ermi, who I, I or Emery, who I always just think of as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, so I'll refer to him as such. Um, but the got my knuckles all lined up for nothing. I really enjoyed that bit. I've really written down here, but it's also the sorry, ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. 
Bart then makes fun of the Wright brothers' plan. This scene's pretty much just to set up the ending of how shit the plane is. It's not a flight yeah. jet, basically. Bob then gets res- into the restricted area with the dialogue or the, the words that he wrote down, copying the, the uh, colonel. And you mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. how he doesn't want to say snot party, which makes it even funnier. Authorization code? Code! Son, this is Colonel Happablap. That fool McGugget sprayed runway foam all over Chuck Yeager's Acura. Now get down there with the chamois triple time. But, Colonel, I'm under strict orders. Sweet Anola Gay, son. Get moving or I'll tear you up like a Kleenex at a... Snot party. Sir, right away, sir. Then the air show begins. And not a cloud in the sky. And that's sort of a setup for Bob's, except a mushroom cloud. And that's, yeah. and that's where we get the big reveal of what he's actually doing. It's taken... What is it? Not, not, I suppose it didn't take too long. I, feel, I felt like when I was watching it that it took forever to sort of get into the, what Bob's plan was, but it wasn't even the second act yet. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, they, they got it going fast enough. They're just, again, I guess because there wasn't much else happening up to that yeah. moment, it feels like a, later in the episode. It just felt a bit slow, yeah. So he's pushing the bomb along in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> 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 so then we come back from commercial and the air show kicks off with box kites but also the guy goes who wants box kites Bart goes no <laughs> <laughs> Bob is then busy setting up the bomb wires the box kites are going on sorry what were you going to say I just loved the music they had playing in the background of the box kites the, uh, up it's great away, yeah, it's, it, like Marge do they have to play the rock music so loud it's perfect line for Marge isn't it rock music yeah <laughs> So whilst the box kites are being showed off and everyone's bored, Bob is busy setting up the nuclear bomb. Then Homer watches the show on Tyrannovision. And it was just a way to get sort of everyone, all the viewers to see the screen, look at the screen for Bob to get on it. But I also look at this at the same way that, because Homer says, why watch it like an idiot when I can watch it on television? Mm. It's sort of like when you go to an event now and everyone pulls their fucking phones out and watches it through oh, their phone. Yeah, I'm uh, I, like, I'm really getting jack of that. Um, I went to see Ed Sheeran last last Friday, Friday before, and it's, it's all it was. There was one girl in front of me that recorded the first two minutes of every song on a mobile phone. And I say this not as like a grump talking about the next generation, but as someone who has been to events and filmed them for purpose. It takes it 100% takes you out of it. Like if you go to a game of sport and you're trying to film the sport, you are not taking in what's actually happening in that sport because you're worried too no. much about, you know, is that in frame? Is it not in frame? And all that sort of shit. And you can't concentrate on what you're actually doing. Um, so please, for the love of God, leave your fucking phones at home. They're not good enough anyway. Like, it, the, although one guy that I saw at this concert that was doing it, um, you know, we're 100 meters away and he zooms right in on his Samsung. So it's pixelated as shit. But then before taking the photo, still made sure that he focused it on Ed because <laughs> you would hate for it to be blurry. <laughs> the, the thing is though, at a concert like that, you know someone else is going to put it on YouTube. So just fucking enjoy the show. Yes, exactly right. Like there are so many Blu-rays available and you'll never watch it back on your phone because when you do, you'll go, no, oh, that sounds really bad. <laughs> like <laughs> every single time, every single time. But the thing is, you film shit on your phone and then you, bro- you drop your phone, you break your screen, you get a new phone and you throw all the videos out anyway. Yeah. I reckon probably 50% of the people actually back up what's on their phones. So many people these days take photos, videotape things and then just throw them out and lose them when they get a new phone. No, mm-hmm. We don't keep shit anymore. Yeah. So... That's our community service announcement. Stop recording shit yes. on your phones. <laughs> yes. 
So Homer should enjoy the show and stop. I suppose at least Toronto Vision would have. I don't know. Would you have watched it on the big screen? Because back then a big screen would have been cool, but now it's just normal. Ah, uh, no. Well, I don't know. It depends on your view. As long as you've got an unobstructed view, I'd be watching it in real time. It's it's alright to watch it during the halftime break or whatever when people are just doing funny dances or doing the kiss thing. I love those videos on YouTube where they're filming couples and they're telling them to kiss the kiss cam and the guy doesn't yep. want to do it. <laughs> I'm also I'm a big fan of the YouTube videos like those same ones, but where they've got a plant in the audience that it'd be like Billy Jean playing or something, and then they'll cut to a janitor who just busts out some shit with ah, his mop. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what happens? So then Maggie's on the screen, and Homer's Maggie. <laughs> I, love I know it's so simple but it's just hilarious that he would confuse Bob for Maggie like Maggie yeah. so Bob then <laughs> explains to everybody uh, about his plan and I never realised this all those years watching it as a kid when you watch this back his voice is actually higher when it's on the TV yeah okay interesting because I didn't actually pay any attention to that no I, I didn't pay any attention to it either but I went back and watched it the second time and I went, oh wait a minute his voice is higher, but you're not you're not yeah. thinking about it at the time. You just think, oh, he's on TV. Hey, Maggie? <gasps> Sideshow Bob! Hello, Springfield. Sorry to divert your attention from all the big noises and shiny things, but something's been troubling me lately. Television! Wouldn't our lives be so much richer if television were done away with? What? Surely he's not talking about VH1. Why, we could revive the lost arts of conversation and scrimshaw. Thus, I submit to you, we abolish television permanently. Go back to Massachusetts, Pinko. Oh, and one more thing. I've stolen a nuclear weapon. If you do not rid this city of television within two hours, I will detonate it. Farewell. By the way, I'm aware of the irony of appearing on TV in order to decry it, so don't bother pointing that out. Kids, everything's gonna be okay! Don't panic, just don't panic! Mom, Mom, you're stepping on my heels and knocking my shoes off! We can always get more shoes! Move, move, move! Bart runs back in, Lisa chases after him, so they're both stuck in the... What is it? Just the compound? What, what did you call it? Just the base? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the base compound. Air Force base. Yeah, you must be very proud, man. <laughs> then we cut to underground and we're at like the, the headquarters. Now, this is a straight up Doctor Strange life homage, isn't it? Like the war room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even Frank is drawn like Doctor Strange life. Yes. Like, yeah, it, it, it's just the, the most kind of, I won't say on the nose because that it has a negative connotation, but it's the most obvious. Like, we are just. It's not even so much parody because they're not making fun of it. They're just, oh, they're no, just yeah, paying just, paying tribute. Exactly. Um, the colonel's gag falls flat. I love the idea that he tests out his uh his gags with his wife before he says them at work. Quimby <laughs> <laughs> gets some good lines here as well. Our city will not negotiate with terrorists. Is there a city nearby that will? So then it cuts to the army men searching for Bob at the base. Yeah, looking high and low. This is where we get Grandpa talking about the elevator that only goes to the basement. Um, <laughs> and what's he say? And it's not pretty down there uh, or so something I'm, like so that? So I made an awful mess down there. So that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the alien that you mentioned before, we got Bart playing at the colonel's desk using his two pens as if they're like, you know, um, uh, I was going to say joysticks. I suppose you call it a joystick in a fighter jet? Whatever it is, he's playing with it. <laughs> Yeah, and he throws. I own. I know that I called it a joystick when I used to play Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yes, 
<laughs> and then Lisa t- says, we have to get a move on. We've got to try and find Bob. And then the colonel can see to the guys in the bunker that Bob is definitely not there. We've looked for him. We cannot find him. All we could find was porno, porno, porno. <laughs> uh, all the TV stars walk in. Do you know, this was the first time that I actually ever saw anything related to Doctor Who. I didn't know who that guy was when I was a kid, I remember. It's the fourth, oh, it's the fourth Doctor. Who that was? Yeah. Gotcha. It seems a little out of place that they would have him when everyone else is just a Springfield personality. Yeah, definitely. Oh, actually, no, they had... See, the thing is here, I wrote here, when this aired... Doctor Who would have seemed like a dated gag, the fourth Doctor, but they had Steve Urkel in ah, the line. True. But, but they had Steve Urkel in the line, who was hot. Yeah, who was hot okay. at the time. You watch it now, and Steve Urkel seems like a dated gag, and the fourth Doctor not so much. Yeah, that's um, that's very well observed, Dando. I have <laughs> every now and then you come up with something, and I just want to take my hat off. This is one of those times. Hat off. Uh, I, f- I felt, though, that it was a bit ridiculous how they... It's, it's very Simpson-y, I get it. It's very Springfield-y to just take things to the extreme, but destroying the TV stations rather than just disconnecting them. Um, crushing people in the process. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it, it suits Springfield. I know, but it just seems a bit ridiculous. And then Brockman's final farewell. Um, it, I can't remember what his stories were, but I think it was one of them was dogs that were mistakenly given uh, credit cards <laughs> and some that weren't so lucky. <laughs> and others that weren't so lucky. <laughs> Gives a little bit of a plug for his PC World magazine. Obviously, he's moving to books now that TV is gone. Uh, then Bob realises that he should have made more demands. He realises that they're all turning their stations off. He's like, shit, I should have asked for more. Should um, have asked for more, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he, next time he's going to ask for marmalade or something. Lo- local marmalade, he wondered. Yep. Then we get to see Krusty and his studio is being torn down. But he realises that he can stay on the air with the emergency broadcast system. Which is a kind of... Like, it's an ingenious plan from Krusty to... I mean, it's also grossly irresponsible, but also ingenious. Yeah, but it, it, it suits Krusty, though. He Krusty really is the the pure entertainer. He just wants to entertain. He's not going to be getting paid. Yeah. He's not going to be getting paid to do all this. Well, I know he says, think of the no. ratings, but... I, 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 sort of, yeah. I, guess, I guess the plan makes no sense. Why would he put himself through it if he's not going to be paid to do it? Well, I guess for the fame as much as anything, but also the knowledge that there's still going to be sponsorship dollars. Once they realize that he's the only person on it, the ratings are on there, then every company will have to advertise with him. And also, it's his way of getting another one up on Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Uh, so then it cuts to... And this is a great moment. So it cuts to Homer. Okay, so we can't go over the fence. The next part, though, this to me sort of sums up the episode where it's it's just a gag. To, the episode is just gag set up after gag set up as opposed to storytelling where Marge says, well, at least I've got clean underwear. There was no need for her to say that. It was just a purely set up but making the joke about not wearing underwear. Which, while funny, it, again, it's just why the episode overall, I think, felt a bit less satisfying. Yeah, definitely. But I, I guess, though, Simpsons in their heyday, like with the period where we're reviewing now, they, they do tell good stories, but I think the reason they're so popular now I think they were more focused on making us laugh. Yeah, that's definitely true. They were certainly, certainly more focused on making us laugh over making us feel. Hmm. Well, like, but you watch an episode now and it's more... You feel like they don't try as hard to make us laugh. They don't try and fit in as many gags anymore. I reckon it's probably... Hmm. A, a, you watch a newer episode now and it's you can probably count the amount of actual funny moments on your hand. Watching a newer episode now. Like as in a season 28, season 29 type episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's for lack of trying, though. I feel like it's just that there aren't as many funny moments. Yeah, true. I guess so. So, what happens after that, Mitch? 
so they Lisa overhears the colonel, and I, I'm not sure if it's the colonel or if it's the his subordinates talking about how they're never going to get that high pitched voice out of their head. Yeah, and that is the trigger for her. She's like, hang on, Bob doesn't have a high-pitched voice and realises virtually instantly that he must be hanging out in the Duff Blimp surrounded by helium. It was, it was her sort of... It was her big shoes to fill moment. Yeah. Um, which is accurate, by the way, in that uh, early blimps, like uh, Zeppelins and that sort of stuff, were hydrogen-based, but the, say, current Goodyear blimp is a helium-based um uh, which I did look up just because I was trying to find anything to nitpick. Yeah. Nothing to be found. They were accurate. Well done. <laughs> I, I think it was nice too that Lisa was able to solve it by herself. She didn't need the help mm. of anybody. It's not very often that they give Lisa those props. Yeah, like it's normally... a She's normally the one that does solve it, but there's still some back and forth. Yeah, 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 definitely. Bob then realises that Krusty's still in the air and this sets him over the edge. And, it, and it's revealed wet how Krusty's doing it. He's doing it from the Springfield Badlands. And we get my favorite moment there. Let's get busy. And I just got here, Krusty. He's just—he's the ultimate performer. He just wants to be on television. Then we get the moment where Bob decides to use the bomb. So the kids break in and they say, "Don't, don't do that. They'd be taking the easy way out." I agree. And it was—it was a good way to go to ad break because you, you, if you're watching this for the first time, you have to keep watching to find out what happened. Yeah, definitely. Particularly because they do cut with an explosion. Exactly. Like or like the, you know the lights flash and all that sort of stuff. You're like, Jesus, what happened there? Yeah, yeah. We come back from commercial with a fail-safe homage. Yeah, which is not a movie that I've seen. No, I so I went back and watched it on YouTube. So, it, you know the gist of the movie, right? No? Yes? Uh, this is the Sydney Lamette directed one, right? The, all I really ever knew about it, it was kind of mentioned as a footnote to Dr. Strangelove because it was a script um, a plot that's very similar. It was being worked on at a very similar time. I, it, but Failsafe is a drama, whereas Strangelove is a comedy. That's about as much as I know. It's just that the, the Americans are going to bomb the Soviet Union and they know they're going to be retaliating. So rather than let the Soviet Union retaliate, they bomb one of their own cities as a way of saying, look, We've taken one of our own cities out. You don't need to retaliate. And they blow up New York City. So the, the zoom in uh, animation they do here is how that movie ends. Zooming into different people in New York, living their day-to-day lives, having no idea what's about to happen to them. Right. How bleak. Yes. So that's that's what that's the homage to. And then when it cuts to Maggie playing with the daisies, that's uh, taking the piss out of the Lyndon B. Johnson, who was going for president in 1964, his ad campaign where he has this little girl playing with daisies, and then he says, if you vote for the other guy, nuclear bombs are going to go off and kill the children. Yeah, okay. That's um, pretty yep. much what Donald Trump ran on. I think it was great animation, though, how they had the bomb from, uh, the, the cloud from the bomb, from Bob's bomb, go off in Maggie's eyes, and then we realise that it's a dud, and then it sets off the smoke yeah, alarms. It's <laughs> still but, a mushroom cloud, but a very, very small one. That smoke alarm is just, a, it's so Simpsons, it's perfect. <laughs> Then Bob realizes, he sort of he gets angry at himself. He goes, you know, it's all these new bombs. No, you have to go for that retro 50s charm. <laughs> the next line to me doesn't make too much sense. And I sort of feel like the writer's made a bit of a boo-boo here because he says, but my arch nemesis and Lisa, who I'm pretty indifferent. Well, why would he mm. be indifferent to her when she, was, she played a major role in foiling his last plan when he became mayor? Well, I kind of took that as what the joke was there, though, that like... It's always set up as Bart versus Sideshow Bob, so it's kind of a comment on the fact that it's never been Sideshow Bob trying to get revenge on Lisa. You think? Yeah. I, I feel like it was them calling themselves out for the fact that they've only ever gone down the Bart and Bob path ever since. Okay. Well, that, we sort of get a, a Cape Fear moment here where uh, Bart stalls Bob 
while Lisa mm. saves the day. Uh, and I like that like he's going to do it once and Bob's not going to fall for it. He's like, oh, no, no, no. We're not going down that path. But then like Bart just lines it up for a second time with that. Oh, of course, you'd be too smart for that. And then and then he goes, really? Book smart? Like, or yes. what, kind of, what kind of smart? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's similar to Kate Fear where he goes, nah, oh, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I do love Lisa's message on the blimp as well, by the way, that it comes with all of the fanfare of any other message that you would get on a blimp like that, Definitely. including the love hearts at the end. Yes, yes. The only thing is, he never once questions the kids how they found him. Mm, true. But then he goes, how did they find me? Well, well the same way that well, the fucking kids did. <laughs> Well, not the same way. Like, they found but, but, him just but, because but, the kids told I, him I know there. that. But the thing is, he never once said, how did you find me in here? It was just, they were just there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess the only thing... The, well, the reason that they can't have that is because the the viewer already knows how they found him. Yeah, that is true. So, yeah. I know. I understand yeah, why they did like that. The, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bob tries to escape the jet. He cuts it open. And Lisa, the, the blimp falling on her, it's, it's similar to when the uh, you know when the volleyball falls on her head, it just deflates over her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sound effect of the volleyball still gets me. Uh, so they jump into the jet and a bit of a piss take on pilots or just the American mm-hmm. Air Force with the fly button. <laughs> Flies it straight into a ditch and then they go to get him out and he's gone and we get the Wright Brothers plane. Yeah, which is very rickety. <laughs> like it looks like it's really having a hard time staying yeah. in the air. And they've got it from the, the Smithsonian, haven't they? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's on loan from the Smithsonian. Then we get Homer bursting through the fence. Or well, he smashes through the gate, then realizes he has to reverse. The, all the four tires explode. Lee, this is this is the moment here where I think it's great writing and great acting by Yardley of, of Lisa, uh, where she mm-hmm. just she's just a little girl who's very excited and what's just gone down. You know, she's very proud of herself, but she's yeah. not. But she's not gloating. You know, she's just she's just happy. Yeah, she's just all these things happened. Yeah, and yeah. Homer, but couldn't I'm, care less. But I'm okay now. <laughs> Uh, Homer can't catch up due to the fact that his tyres have all just been exploded. Uh, the, the jet's taking off, though. This is a great piece of animation. They're straight past it. Suggest we get out and walk. Fl- <laughs> yeah, flying straight past it. Bogey's airspeed, not sufficient for intercept. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, but then we get uh, Bob revealing to Bart his plan. Oh, it's, oh, actually, no, it's just before this where Bart tries to get off. So he throws... This is, this Tr- is, this is another classic Simpsons. Throws the bag, goes under the wheel and explodes. <laughs> yes. Anytime the Simpsons squeeze an explosion into something that should not blow up, it's always great. <laughs> I even love the... It hasn't happened yet, but Homer the Smithers, when he makes the cereal and just catches on fire. <laughs> and the cereal's on fire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Possibly the best one. Uh, so Bart doesn't want to jump. You can't escape, Bob. If the tennis rackets don't get you, the proof skimmers will. Ooh, I, I never planned to escape. You see, this is a, a kamikaze mission. You and I are going to kill Krusty the Clown. <laughs> When we get to the moment where he's actually sort of arrived at Krusty Station, you, I, I like that you're starting to see in the animation that being constantly on air is already starting to take its toll on Krusty. Like, he's got no ad bags to throw to. His hair's starting to droop a little bit. and He's, he's really running out of ideas. He's a stingy and battery show. <laughs> but even yeah. the, 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 He drops the stingray. Not the stingray, sorry, the, uh, the scorpion. The scorpion. And scorpion. It, it, you can hear it sort of on the floor running towards him. And just before it cuts yeah. away, he steps away from it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Bart tries to talk Bob out of it. He says, it's not going to happen. Well, basically, he makes him more angry. He goes, without him, you wouldn't even be a sideshow. That gets him even more angry. Mm. Then we get the classic, what the hell is that, a lawnmower? <laughs> <laughs> opens up the door and sees that the Bob's coming towards him in the plane and Bart says, get out of the way. So he bursts through the window 
and nothing happens. <laughs> oh, I can't remember exactly what Krusty said, but something about like, uh, you know, what's taking you so long? Yeah, what's the freaking hold up? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Die, Krusty! Sorry, uh, we don't normally drive these in the Air Force. Gotcha! <laughs> yeah, TV-hating mutant. What is your major malfunction, Sideshow Bob? The cops arrest Sideshow Bob. Marge kisses Bart, embarrasses him in front of the army guys. We get a bit of a fourth wall gag here where uh, Bob points out how formulaic and, and cliche the ending is. That, like, any Hollywood hack could have come up with it. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, Grandpa arri- arrives on a hog. I still, I, I get what the gag's going for, but to me it just feels like a bit of a flat ending. A little bit. I feel like it wrapped up super quickly. Like Yeah, too, it sort of goes, oh, so that's the, I understand it's a bit of a throwback to earlier on, but it just seems like, oh, so that's it? Okay. Yeah, it's it's all like, he, he's, I reckon from the time that he's on his way to Krusty's shack to the time that he's in handcuffs, there's only about 90 seconds to two minutes or so. Yeah, that, that, that's, all, that's the best part of the episode, and it's all wrapped up in two minutes. Yeah. But anyway, all in all, like we said, it's a, oh, we're not going to say a forgettable episode. It's not forgettable, but it's just, when we've had such great Bob episodes up to this point, this one just falls really flat, and it's, it's to me, they, they made up for it with the following one, with Brother from Another Series, but this one, is, it's, mm-hmm. it's the worst Bob episode of the first 10 seasons. There's no denying that. Yeah, it is, which is a shame. And you mentioned at the start of the episode, it's one that you, you you tend to forget about. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, every week for the last little bit, we've posted on the Patreon page and asked people what their memories of the episode are. And normally, there might be 50, 60 comments or something like that. Like, there's, people generally have a lot of any episode. This episode has probably got the smallest reaction out of anyone uh, that we've posted. So, I think that also speaks a little bit to the fact that it's just not as strong as everything around it. Definitely. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Oh, well, I learned the meaning of the word omnidirectional. <laughs> I learned that box kites were once used as a means to dry wet string. <laughs> I love that Martin is trying so hard to make box kites <laughs> sound interesting. <laughs> I know. But actually, it's an interesting fact, though. I was like, ah. But like you know, they couldn't think of a better way to dry wet string. <laughs> I suppose it's a cheaper way. No, no heat is required. Yeah, true. I love you. What do we got this week, Mitch? Do you want to go through what our patrons did in the Four Finger Discount exclusive group? You asked them the question what I, they thought of the episode. You didn't get much response, or? Uh, yeah, so there, there were still a few things. So Brennan Quinn just crossed his show from the shed. Uh, Jason DeFacentes is a man after your heart, Brando, because he's just posted. Let's get busy. Yeah, great. Um. Lloyd Mitchell, to this day, whenever he hears an out-of-place mechanical sound, will say, what the hell is that, a lawnmower? Trent Bosley is a massive aviation nerd, apparently, so he loves when uh, Sideshow Bob jumps into the jet with Bart and there's just two massive buttons. That one says stop it and one says fly. Kel uh, McDonald seems to have summed up our own um, feeling as well, saying that she honestly remembers so little about the episode that she's going to need to go back and rewatch it. And you'll go back and rewatch it and just like yourself, you'll go, oh, that's right, there's nothing to remember. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, nah, that's 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 a bit uh, too harsh. It's not. There's nothing to remember. It's just I don't know. I think we've we've been yeah. very very spoilt lately, and this one just wasn't quite yeah. up to scratch. Yeah. Uh, Luke Sinclair. Uh, Luke Sinclair also was actually one of the first people that alerted me to the fact that the uh, Maggie picking the flower is a reference to the Barry Goldwater '64 presidential campaign ad. Jamal! Jamal is here. Ooh. Mailbag time. What do you got for us this week, Mitch? 
Jason Clear writes in with regards to King Size Homer. Um, we mentioned during the episode that the color of the Y, E, and S keys are faded. This is because the rest of the computer keyboard is part of the background and not animated, but those three keys have to be shown as being pressed, which means that they are part of the animation cell overlaid onto the background. Mm. Uh, oh, I also got something wrong. I mentioned Alpha from... I meant to mention Alpha from Power Rangers. I accidentally said Alfalfa um, from The Little Rascals. I, I, I remembered you said Alfalfa and I was like, that doesn't really make much sense, but I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been nice if you'd picked it up at the time and then Jason wouldn't have had to tell me that I was a fool. Oh, I, I, I remember I was just editing this at work and then going, I... I don't quite get that, but I'm sure he's right. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> uh, look, it's, when it's one of those things that if I'd stopped and paused to think about it for so much as a few seconds, I'm sure I would have corrected myself, but often I don't. But at least you're willing to acknowledge it and read out the email proving that you, were not, you weren't correct. Rory McJorrow writes in uh, from New Zealand. Um, if you could have three Simpsons characters to live with in a zombie apocalypse, who would they be? Who would they be? Well, definitely Willie. Because he can mess some shit up. Mm. Who's f- you? Probably, would you want someone fat to, so that if you turn to a zombie, you got shit to eat? Or do zombies just eat brains? No, zombies eat everything, don't they? Um, yeah, zombies eat everything. Yeah, so you want someone fat. Because you, 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 if you're in a zombie apocalypse, you're eventually going to become a zombie. You're not going to live forever. And you're going to want a good feed. So you mm. get someone fat, so you'd say Wiggum. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, Wiggum's got uh, guns. He do- Ah, that is true. He does have guns. Who else? So Willie, Wiggum. Who would the third person be? We want someone dumb that we can use as a decoy, like Cletus? No, you only get to go to that well once. So, I don't know that that's necessarily who you want with you during the zombie apocalypse, like living with. That's just someone that you want to pass on your way out of town. Or do you want? Do we want Frank because he's able to create things like hover bikes and we can fly and hi- hover above the, the zombies? None of his inventions ever work. Mm. It's probably it's probably Frank that in like caused the apocalypse. <laughs> that is true. Um. I am going to say Carl. For what reason? Mostly because, well, if The Walking Dead has taught us anything, it's that Carl will be one of the first people to die. So, as long as there's a Carl around me, I'm safe. Why? Is, why are you saying that the black people are the ones that get killed in The Walking Dead? Yes, largely. There's like a revolving door of black supporting <laughs> actors that just come in hang around for six or seven episodes and then die. Like Cuddy from The Wire. You're telling me that that dude is dying in a zombie apocalypse? No chance. <laughs> well, that's a good option. So, that, that, so, so, um, so Carl's your fresh meat. Yeah. Uh, Rory, Rory's suggestions, by the way, he said uh, Hibbert, helpful doctor, Mo because he's absolutely ruthless, and Ruth Powers, who seems uh, quite wise being on the run. Yeah, that's true. Rory uh, also has a question that um, I mentioned a little while back about putting maple syrup on eggs and loving it. He wants to know how the eggs were cooked. Uh, they were indeed scrambled, Rory. But, um, he wanted to make sure before he ruined his breakfast. Okay. Well, now he knows. Um, he's also got a My Two Cents, so I'm just sticking on this, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Sorry. I uh, referred to him in the Patreon shout-out as Rosie McJorrow instead of Rory McJorrow, apparently, so I apologise. Um but I hope there's at least one other person that listens to the podcast, and that's now his nickname. Anyway, when he was 11 or 12, he was friends with a very rich kid who had everything he could ever ask for. Everything brand new and he's in a sort of mansion-style house. He had a pool, constant holidays, a hell of a boat. Um, his dad uh, got 
to sorry, his dad got the kids to work on the boat and have it clean it all Saturday and Sunday in the middle of summer, insisting that we'll get paid by the end of the tasks. Being a twelve year old boy, I'm thinking about a brand new PlayStation or <laughs> taking a trip or something beyond his imagination. Um, just as a what it was though, as he's leaving the end of the day at about six thirty Sunday night, looking for his pay, he points me in the direction of a small bowl of corn chips, completely oblivious to the fact that this was child labour. <laughs> uh, a little tagline. Fortunately, this guy's now bankrupt and on the run from debtors. Oh wow! Well. Um, I'm not going to go as far as naming him. No, but, don't name uh, him. <laughs> Rory. Rory does. Um, Luke Sinclair writes in. Oh, this is actually going to be okay. Given that you've got a New Zealand story, we'll cap off. This will be the last email, but it also leads into the story I was going to tell. I was asking for people to send in scams. Like, when have you scammed something? Oh, yeah, true. So, Luke, um, the first one that came to his head was that there was a bagel sandwich place at his university that had two locations. They had a punch card system for every sandwich he bought. So, he'd go to one location, buy a sandwich, get a punch card, punch the rest of the card at home, and then redeem his free sandwich at the other location just so they didn't get suspicious. Not proud of it now, but it certainly got me through college. Oh, wow. Um, look, that's fine. I mean, when you're in uni or college, I feel like you're allowed to have a few bits and pieces that are just a little bit more, what can you say, suspect? Well, I, f- I feel like if you go into uni, you're at least hoping to one day contribute to society. You're not just sitting at home in the doll. Yeah, exactly. In, in which case, you'll buy someone else's sandwich at some point in the future. Uh, anyway, so my scam, I was at a... And thank you very much, sorry, for everyone that wrote into the mailbag this week. Um, I was at a presentation night last night for the cricket club. It was a 10 table, uh, sorry, eight eight seats to a table, something like that. Maybe 10 seats to a table. Um, It was our club with a few representatives and another club with a few representatives, but the other club didn't show up. So we're looking at sort of alternate drop coming out going, well, how can we use this to our advantage and make sure we get more food out of this? So... Basically, what we did, we ate all of the bread rolls on the table, and then I sprinkled some of the bread roll crumbs onto the plates of the guys that never arrived. I then quickly grabbed some light beer, because I wouldn't waste the heavy stuff, poured that at various heights into their glasses. I gave one one of the glasses I filled with some white wine. I then drank from a bunch of those glasses, spilled a little bit, ruffled some napkins, just put some butter on a, a knife, did everything I could to make it look like those tables were actually taken. So, or those seats were taken. So then when the waitresses all came around and said, are there people sitting there? We were very easily able to go, uh, yeah, yeah, they've just stepped out of the car park. Um, and then had like four additional meals plonked down for us so we could pick and choose the best parts of what we wanted. It was, it, it, it just went off without a hitch. And I was so effing pleased about the fact that it worked. And... Not in the least bit guilty because it was like a prepaid event and one of those things where all the meals were made anyway. So, it's not. it was only ever going to become tomorrow's lunch. Sir, I'm in your debt. Yeah. Um, you know what we did for dessert as well? They came out, they came back for the dessert and to, to keep the ruse alive, we just went... <laughs> the ruse. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, like, look, uh, with the dessert, we only need eight. Two of the guys went home. So <laughs> <laughs> We don't want dessert. We just wanted the mains. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We still, we still had the desserts, but we're like, you don't need to bring out all of the desserts. We, we granted that oh, two of the. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So you, you got yeah. the free stuff. That you got the main meals as you went in for free. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was so good. Oh man, it just and, and, worked, and there was no questioning. So well. It was just no, nothing. The only thing that there was a guy 
who was spending most of his time behind the bar, who at one point spotted one of us switch out one of our empty plates for one of the full ones further down the end of the table. And he just looked and laughed and kind of gave that little grin of, yep, you guys have done well for yourselves. I was, I was going to say, it's also a case of one of those moments where the waitresses probably just don't give a shit either. Not massively, no. It's like when I, when I used to work at, in the deli, I'd give free food to people because I'm like, yeah, it's not my money. I don't care. Yeah, exactly right. It's a vic- victimless crime. Yes. Oh, well, well played, sir. I'm very impressed. I'm, assu- I'm looking forward to getting all the uh, mail next week of all the people pulling the same scam or the ruse, as you said. <laughs> uh, now, what was, uh, what have you done? What uh, your flight? What have you? What happened in you on the way home? Oh, okay. So are you sitting down? Are you ready? Strap yourself in. I'm ready. Alrighty. So, on our way to the airport, now I asked. So this is how it all starts off. So I, I, I'm a bad traveller at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't. I don't travel well. I get. I get sick on in cars if I'm reading my phone. If I'm on the train, I'm facing the wrong direction. I get sick on a boat. I get sick. I just. I don't travel well. On a plane, I'm essentially. I'm, I'm not too bad. But if it's a bit of turbulence, it, it makes me feel a little bit ill. I'm not too bad on a plane. But anyway, so we're on our way to the airport. And just before we left, I said to Nicola, hey, can you grab my passport? She goes, yep, no worries. Because she, she was packing. I was bringing two bags home because Nicola's still in New Zealand. So she packed my second bag. I said, hey, can you put the passport in that second bag? Yep, no worries. We get three quarters of the way to the airport. I say, what bag did you put the passport in? She looks at me and goes, shit, I forgot to get the passport. So, oh dear. so, okay, so now we're running late. So we turn around, go all the way back to the, the apartment where we were staying, grab the passport. We, we went too late. Uh, we left early, so it was fine. But it was just an extra 40 minutes to the drive that I wasn't intending on, which I don't, I don't travel well. So I was like, all right, so it's an extra 40 minutes in the car. We then get to the airport, right? And the line <laughs> to check in my bag, it was moving. And then all of a sudden, it stopped moving. It just wasn't going anywhere. And we look up. And there was, there was only one booth open, but there was this Asian, these two Asian guys there, right? And they just, I don't know whether they didn't speak English. I don't know whether they were trying to smuggle stuff out of the country. I don't know what they were doing, but we clocked them up at over 15 minutes at the booth, right? Trying to Ooh, check in the wow. bags and the line got bigger and bigger and people were getting angry and there was just, they, they didn't open it up, open up any other booths. I won't say the name of the airline, but this, this, mm-hmm. these two Asian guys held the line up for over 15 minutes. So, we immediately didn't like these two guys because of what they did. And I was by this point, I was in a shitty mood because I had to go. Nicola forgot my passport. Now I'm standing in line. I'm getting a sore back, blah, 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 old man syndrome. So then we, I say goodbye to Nicola. It's all farewells, blah, blah, blah. She leaves. I then go through security. And we get to security and these two Asian guys are holding the line up yet again, these same two guys. So they've got coins in their pocket when they try to go through the buzzer. They've got their watch on. They've got... Uh, their belt's still on. The, 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 the one guy went through four times before he was able to walk through the, the, the metal detector because he kept wearing metal things. He had a metal stud in his ear, all this kind of stuff. We then, they then get through, and I'm just behind them. I get through, right? The guy has tried to take through. He has this giant green plastic, I'm assuming at least two liter bottle, water bottle, right? Full of water. Mm. Full full of water. It says you must empty out water before you go through. He's got it in his bag trying to put it through security. They say to him, you have to empty this. And he looks at them confused as if, well, no, 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 surely not. Surely not. Can't, can't be me. So they say, you have to empty this. And he says, you empty like, it. Like, he's sort of implying, you empty it. And they said, it's too much water, mate. You're going to have to go back through, empty it out, out there and come back through security again. So he does that. It's all fine. Everything's fine from then on, right? So I get on the plane. I was actually the first one on the plane because I was by myself, so I just went straight on there. I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. The plane takes off. It's not too bad. It's fine. 
And then I looked to the guy who was about two to three, I think it was two seats in front of me, but across the aisle. And I was on, I was the aisle seat. And he sort of starts batting his head like a, like there's a fly around him. You know, when he's sort of fr- trying to get rid of a fly around your head. And I'm like, what the hell, mm. what the hell is this? He was going nuts. What is, what's, what's going on? And he looks up and there's water dripping from the, uh, from the, the thing, the thing above him, from the, the cabinet above him. The overhead. Yeah. The overhead, yep. right? He yells out, there's, it's, it's dripping water, it's dripping water. The, the, the cabin crew girl walks up. The Asian guy looks over, realizes it's obviously his bag. He jumps out of his seat, opens it up, and the water pours over everybody. <laughs> what had happened was the pressure had popped the lid off of his water bottle, and he put the water bottle loose in the overhead compartment. And oh, the, no. the guy underneath and the woman in front of him who was reading her book soaked in water. Soaked, in, oh. soaked in water. Their bags were soaked in water. Everything and in an air, con- there was air just, conditioned environment as well. That's going to be so cold. Oh, it was cold and it was damp, and there was the, every seat was taken, so they had to sit there. So they're bringing up all these paper, oh, not paper towels, sort of uh, like uh, tablecloth, not tablecloths, uh, tea towels, tea towels, and they're mm-hmm. sitting on all these hand towels and tea towels. And the the guy, the Asian guy, didn't apologize once. He grabbed his bag and walked up sort of about three or four seats up away from them. And they're just sitting there soaked in water. The, the woman was furious because her book was just ruined, right? Mm. And there's water just everywhere on the floor. I'm talking, this bottle would have had to have been two to three liters of water. So everyone's just sort of sitting there going, you motherfucker, how could you possibly be that stupid, right? Anyway, so then we're sitting there. My feet are cold because I was wearing thongs and there's water all around my feet. And then... The plane starts shaking, and I've never experienced proper turbulence before, right? Like proper turbulence. Mm. The guy comes over the speaker, the captain, and he says, uh, "Seatbelt lights about to go on. We're going to get into some pretty strong winds here. Uh, if you're getting a bit sick, let one of the cabin crew know. We can try and help you out. Um, it's going to be pretty rocky from here on in." It was fucking intense, man. It was so. It was just shaking around. Kids were crying. Lights were flicking off and on. It was dropping. Really, you know, when, have you ever been on a plane when it drops? Uh, yeah, I feel like it's never quite dropped as, m- as much as sometimes it feels like it, it feels like it's a massive drop to you, but in the scheme of things, when you're playing, that's at like 28,000 feet, even if it drops a hundred feet, like that's going to feel huge, but it's not really very far in the, in terms of how far up it is. Oh, well, I, it dropped six times and I caught one of them at four seconds and four seconds doesn't sound long, but when you're scared... Or when you get sick on planes, four seconds felt mm. like a lifetime, man. Like, it was just horrendous. And at one point, the lights just turned off. The light, they couldn't get the lights back on. Well, we eventually, we're about to land. So, we're 40 minutes late because they had to sort of go lower and go slower to try and avoid the winds. So, we're 40 minutes behind mm-hmm. schedule. We're about to land and then pew, we take off again because it wasn't safe or something. And we had to bank for a further 20 minutes. So, by the end of this, I was just so ill i felt absolutely terrible i didn't throw up but i just felt absolutely terrible there was people throwing up around me especially yep. this guy behind me who just kept going i don't know if he's actually throwing up he was just going <laughs> for about 10 minutes and i was like shut the fuck up dude seriously either vomit and get over get it over with or just shut up but then so we eventually land we get off and i get through security and i'm waiting for the bus to pick the shuttle bus to pick me up to take me to the uh where the nicholas cars parked and the driver arrives and he seemed, he just seemed a bit out of it. I'm not quite sure what it was, right? He just seemed a bit with the fairies. So he starts taking mm-hmm. off. You know at the Melbourne airport where the shuttle bus lane is and they sort of pull off into the, the other section. There's, there's a bus lane and there's a taxi lane, right? And he's just, he's looking to the right, talking to the radio. 
and I can see this bus just coming up along the left side. And I'm thinking, this guy, this bus is not going to stop. And this guy driving this shuttle bus isn't going to stop either. This isn't going to end well. So it's just me and this Indian guy in the shuttle bus. The Indian guy yells out, there's a bus there. The, the driver slams his brakes, but it's too late. We, we drive straight into a bus. Jesus. Yes. We, we, like, it, was, it was so slow though. So it wasn't like overly damaged. Like the, the front of the shuttle bus was fucked up. But it wasn't like mm. anyone got seriously injured. But yeah, we, we, we pretty much almost got T-boned by a bus. We, we drove into a bus. So we couldn't get off, get out of the shuttle bus straight away because the door was pinned against the corner of the bus. So the bus had to then reverse and we were able to get out of the shuttle bus. And then we had to wait for another shuttle bus. And then that shuttle bus driver got lost. He, he took a wrong turn at the roundabout. And then he had to get. He had, I had to use my Google Maps to show him how to get back. <laughs> so then I get to the place to pick up Nicola's car. The guy says to get back to Geelong, you go down, chuck a Yui at McDonald's, and go onto the off ramp down the highway, and you're back home. I was like, thank Christ, I can finally get home. I do the Yui. I drive up, off ramp, closed, detour ahead. Adds thirty minutes to my trip. <laughs> oh, you've really had a bad time. So that was my night. <laughs> I was meant. I, I planned on getting home at quarter past eleven, and I got home at ten past two. Well, it'll make you feel good to know that I have no sympathy. Uh, no, that's, um, that does that that does sound pretty rough. So I was in a shitty turbulence. I was in a car accident. I oh, it just it just wasn't great, man. It just was not great. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, not many people drown on a plane in midair. Oh, and so, it nearly happened when he when he opened it up. It was, it was kind of like, you know, when uh, it reminded me of, because I was laughing to myself afterwards, you know, when the guys are flashing the mooning Skinner's house and Agnes goes, I want to have a look. And he goes, no, mother, no. Ah! <laughs> it was one of those because they, he goes, there's water leaking from the top. And the Asian guy goes to open it and the cabin crew woman goes, no, don't do it. And he opens it up and just all the water has come pouring out of it. Like at, at the time, I was just like, shit, like, this is intense. Looking back on it, it was hilarious. <laughs> I was going to say that it reminded me of the blood getting off the elevator. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> but what, what's what's the worst thing that's happened to you on a plane? I've never. I, I've honestly, I, I enjoy being on a plane. I've never really had like you know. I've been through bad turbulence and stuff, but just nothing that's ever really impacted it. I, I'll tell you what did shit me was um, flying back from Hong Kong and not being able to take on board a six hundred mil bottle of water. Really? Why? Why not? Uh, I don't know for whatever regulations. They're like, no, you can't have water on the plane. Like it, 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 like it was a closed bottle. I'm like, I bought this from the airport. Yeah, I've got it 50 meters away. You can see the store that I bought it from. How could this possibly be a fucking security risk? And then if there is that thing that, oh no, it's because you might be smuggling explosive liquids onto the plane. Then why do you just toss all of the bottles into the same bucket right next to the fucking entrance to the plane? Like, that, it just cannot possibly... It, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to that. Do, do you have to maybe buy water on the plane? No, no, no. It's free water. It's just that the service on that particular airline that we're using was not brilliant. So, I wanted to come prepared. Okay. Maybe, maybe we can get the uh, the listeners to write in their worst plane experiences. I want to hear them. Or best. Or best, yeah. Well, the, the best or worst thing that ever happened to you on a plane. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. I want to know... I want to know because I've I've experienced I've now experienced the worst. I've hit rock bottom. It's only up from here because man, <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> but right. but looking back now in hindsight, it was pretty funny. That sounds good though for them to do next week. For now, I suggest we wrap this up. We've been going for an hour and twenty minutes, um, which is 
to be expected, it's our first one back, and I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more in the way of stories about New Zealand that we will get to recording. Maybe as a little Patreon exclusive, we'll do Dando's Holiday Diaries or something like that. Yeah. Well, here's a bit of a teaser. I was made chief for a day. You were made chief? Chief Donut, of chief donut Head, and I'll explain why on the next show. Excellent. I look forward to hearing <laughs> it. All right, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? <laughs> Great song. See you guys. Next week on Four Finger Discount. Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such Fox Network specials as Alien Nose Job and Five Fabulous Weeks of the Chevy Chase Show. <laughs>